0: Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM
1: 89.3. Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen on Money FM 89.3. I was in Hong Kong from Wednesday until uh, yesterday night, uh, there for some business. But uh, in the midst of it all, I got caught up in one of the protests right by my hotel. In fact, I I was walking home from dinner on on Thursday night, and I could smell something really weird. My eyes started watering up. I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm walking through a protest where there was tear gas. So so where were you? In Kowloon? No, I was near the the Quarry Bay side, okay. uh, so a little bit a little bit uh, kind of east of, of Central and Admiralty, which is where, of course, the big protests mm. were a week ago. Um, but there's a place called Cornhill, uh, and um, they were doing a, another big protest there. So I literally I I, I walked right through it. Um, it was around ten thirty or so in the evening, and so. The the riot police had gathered on one side forming a line. There was only maybe about 10 or 12 of them. There weren't a lot of them. And then there were on the other side hundreds of people um, kind of very much surrounding them. It was at an intersection. Um, yelling and screaming, you know, go home. And they're, of course, chastising the police for this this four and five student that was shot last weekend Mm -hmm. in the chest um, and just, you know, yelling all kinds of things. Um, So at the point that I was there, because I didn't have a mask or anything, I was just walking past, um, I did not have any... You know, protection or anything, and then and it was uh, tear gas. Uh, there was there was tear gas earlier, not when I was right okay. there, but there was it was still lingering in the air. So I wasn't there when it was when it was shot. Um, but you know, people had already smashed. There's a there's a um, MTR station there. People had already smashed signs there, and um, there were of course riot police in the station. So it was really. Uh, kind of crazy but I'll tell you the the one thing oh and I, I left around 11 so I stayed there for about a half hour and then I'm like well things are gonna heat up and I don't have any protection I'm right between the protesters of and course. the police I was literally about three meters from the police uh, did you uh, ever feel unsafe no I didn't I was in the I was in the group where the journalists were and, and at that moment the the police had formed their lines but they weren't you know no one was aggressively going one way or the other there wasn't, things weren't being thrown yet although some trash cans have been thrown mm. in the streets and there's some barricades and things. But um, I, I did not feel any personal safety issue. But later on that night, after I had left, it, it did erupt into stuff being thrown back and forth and, 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 you know, it went on all night, basically. Well,
0: you mentioned the property damage there, which seems to be the yeah. sort of uh, stocking trade at the moment, the, MR, the MTR station. Any other
1: property damage that you saw or, or saw the effects of? Yeah, the, I mean, shops, you know, shops mm. being either spray-painted on or windows being broken uh, you could see that now. It's not everywhere. It's just you know a yeah. few kind of isolated places. So I, I don't want to give the uh, you know, the impression that it looks like Beirut, you know, did back in the '80s uh, when you walk around town. But um, definitely, you know, there's there's a fair amount of vandalism happening, and of course, barricades being thrown in the street and set alight, and uh, like I said, uh, you know, public trash bins th- thrown all over, the you mm. know. Uh, it's, it's trash, trash all over the place, and uh, which ironically is cleaned up beautifully by the next morning. Of course. <laughs> and Singaporeans <laughs> listening to this, and we've had, I've had
0: many heated discussions with Singaporeans about this, that when you paint that very vivid picture in your minds now, people listening in their cars are thinking yobs, hooligans, mm. anarchists. Mm. And of course, there's, there's a fringe element of that in any protest. But that's not necessarily the, all the kinds of people you saw in Hong Kong protesting, right? This goes, this spans the generations, doesn't it? Very, very, very
1: true. And I, I was, I was actually kind of shocked because at this particular demonstration uh, that I, that I was at, it was, it was moms and dads mm. and young kids and teenagers and grandparents, like everybody was out there. Now there was an element of voyeurism, so I think some of the people yeah. were just kind of standing around waiting to see what was going to happen. Um, but you know, many people on. All sides of this were were shouting and chanting and taking part in these chants. And I mean, of course, there's always a group kind of group think and group mentality um, when people get together in those situations. But it was a it was a wide cross section of Hong Kong uh, life. And you know, we've, we're seeing now from from Wong Tai Sin and and way up in the north, Yunlong, all the way down now, and Friday for the first time in Aberdeen, which is on the south side of the island, there were protests as well. So it is truly encompassing the entire territory.
0: Yeah, and it's not going anywhere, and it's not a coincidence because, as you mentioned in your news segment, the embattled leader Carrie Lam has invoked almost colonial era emergency powers yep. with the with the the banning of the masks, which take into effect today, Saturday. Um, this is a this is a pivotal turning point you feel in the disputes that in the writing that hasn't not only is it not dissipated as expected when it first kicked off it's expanded you know the extradition law has been put on hold for now but yet this has gone into something much deeper hasn't it this Mm. is about where we belong in our society of Hong Kong what our future relationship is going to be with China where we are as a you can put it in inverted commas if you want a a democratic society and what how China views us in mm. this in this sort of two country one two cities one country um, yeah. philosophy. So, d- do you feel that? Do you feel we're, we're reaching some sort of tipping point here? Because if they go out over the weekend, firstly, how do they enforce? this law because you're talking about, as you rightly mentioned, hundreds of thousands of people, grandparents, (laughs) aunties, uncles, children, teenagers, all wearing masks. How do you even enforce it? Do you you go up to everyone individually? Because if you have it for a medical complaint, obviously you're okay. If you wear it for professional reasons, you're okay. So there's all kinds of fudging and lying. and and I don't even see how logistically this
1: law can be enforced. It just Mm. feels like an unnecessary the prisons aren't big you know stanley prison isn't big enough right you know to to hold all of those people and i would imagine knowing hong kongers everyone's going to start wearing masks whether they were wearing them before or not they're all going to start putting them on just in support of it
0: exactly it's almost like those guy fawkes masks that they've been popping up from the v for vendetta books and movie which would also be illegal by the way
1: (laughs) exactly right of course (laughs) it's still a mask you know
0: guy fawkes weirdly has been seen as this symbol of Mm. anti-oppression and Mm. so on um But the mask itself is such uh, an emotional symbol Mm. for all protests, but particularly in Hong Kong right now. And there are people saying openly on social media and in mainstream media that the anti-mask law, as they're calling it, is a tool of tyranny. Mm. Therefore, as you rightly say, I strongly suspect even more people will be coming out and wearing these masks almost as an act of solidarity. So... Political academics have come forward and said this seems like an unnecessary rod for their own backs. The the, the Hong Kong executive, mm. because h- how is this going to make things any easier?
1: It it looks like an own goal. It yeah. really does because I I just first of all we saw yesterday and last night the immediate impact was was extreme violence and extreme backlash to yeah. this. Um, and if it's one thing a Hong Konger does not like, it's, you know, being told what to do, like around things like this. And it includes, of, of course, gas masks, regular surgical masks, and then um, face painting too. Right. Uh, so anything that would obstruct someone's identity, basically. And so that you've got all the journalists out there too, you know, wearing gas masks so that they can cover the stories. You've got obviously protesters wearing gas masks to keep from getting gassed. And, and so just the... How they're going to implement this just uh, – it boggles the mind. But at, at the same time, it, rather than de-escalating tension, all it, all it is doing is escalating. And another line in the sand that one has to wonder, how are they going to – how can they come back? How can they negotiate a settlement, if I can put it in those terms? And this is just one thing, one step further, that's going to prevent them from doing that. Absolutely. Well, as we said, the extradition law,
0: which was the original touch paper issue, that's been put on hold for now. Right. Hong Kongers are not convinced it will stay on hold. Right, right. So that hasn't de-escalated tensions. So as you say, the anti-mask law, for, for want of a better phrase, I mean, and the thing is, Glenn, it's so vague. It says that according to the law, an officer can stop anyone if he or she believes that the protester or the person in the mask is wearing anything, (laughs) anything that may prevent identification, well, then you're talking about scarves. You're talking about hats. You're talking about things that cover your eyes. You're talking about masks, goggles. Where do you draw the line here? There are so many ways now we can can literally metaphorically mask our identities, Mm, you know. mm. I don't even see how it can be enforced. And as you say, it's just going to cause... It's just going to elevate, magnify already tinderbox situations in and around Hong Kong. Yeah,
1: it's already there, and, and you know uh, the. Do you remember several weeks ago we had that young lady on that had done the flash I survey, yeah. right about Hong Kong business attitudes vis-a-vis Singapore? And I think now is another another great time for them to do a follow-up survey. Oh, definitely, because this is this is one of those moments that we had talked about on the show several weeks ago where. Attitudes will once again, I think, change in terms of Hong Kong versus Singapore. Um, and, and I think more people are more nervous now than they were three days ago, even though there was bad violence on last weekend and last Tuesday on National Day for, for the, the Chinese. Um, this is another moment where people are going to see there's more retrenchment, more static, more of a wall built than a wall coming down. And I think that's really going to impact the business there. Um And, uh, yeah, and and sentiment around that. Sadly, you know, because, look, you travel, you walk around during the day in the streets in Hong Kong, people are still just as they ever were, you know, uh, they're not necessarily always friendly or, or whatever, but they get on with their life and they're not outwardly, you know. Uh, uh, aggressive toward you or whatever but now this is this is really uh, you know putting people in a very very kind of negative frame of mind
0: well that's Um, the key as long as they can get on with their lives i.e. make a living and it doesn't hit them in the pocket yep and I, and you mentioned business there. Sometimes cynically, that's what needs to happen for some some kind of breakthrough. They're already saying obviously that some Hong Kong businesses are beginning to struggle. Obviously, there's been a dip in tourism. I have a friend who works in the aviation industry in Hong Kong. They are certainly feeling it. I mean, look if you're if you're living in Southeast Asia right now or Australia, South Pacific, whatever you want to take a week's holiday somewhere, you're not going to go to Hong Kong at the moment, all things being equal. There's Thailand, there's yeah. Vietnam, there's, you know, unless you have to, you won't go. So it, ha- it has had an impact on the tourism industry, on the secondary businesses around tourism, the retail, the F&B, the restaurants and so on. We know that. But interestingly, this is where I say about a tipping point. I'm reading online here that some businessmen whose businesses have been affected negatively are saying, mm. we need this. We almost need this anti-mask law. This is the other side of the coin. We need something drastic. We need some action, some executive action taken <laughs> because we can't have this stalemate almost indefinitely because it will do precisely that. It will hit us in the pockets. So this is the interesting thing for me, Glenn. It goes both ways, doesn't it? On the one hand, businesses are being affected. So they want some form of action. But... If the action comes in and backfires further, or as you as we said earlier, escalates tensions further, it's only going to hit pockets more, which is only going to make people
1: angrier. So this cycle goes on and on and on, and there's no
0: real end in sight, is there?
1: Yeah, I, you know, when I arrived last Wednesday night into Hong Kong, the first thing I did, I, I went straight to the Foreign Correspondents' Club in Icehouse Street. Uh, those of our listeners that have ever been there, the FCC is a is a real sort of you know uh, iconic place, going back especially. To the Vietnam War, where the correspondents would all gather, and and I met with three um, friends who are journalists there. One uh, one the correspondent for CBS News, another for the South China Morning Post, um, and a third for TVB, which is a local TV station. Mm. and And my friend from the South China Morning Post, her name is Holly Chick, and she uh, just wrote a story last week, uh, actually this week, about tourism and the visitors from mainland China. Now, yeah. are are. Choosing Singapore, of course, over Hong Kong, right? And the graph in her story, uh, in the South China, uh, South China Morning Post, and the, and the story is called "Mainland Tourists Skip Hong Kong for Singapore as City Misses Out on Golden Week Bonanza" uh, by Holly Chick. And um, and and the the graph that they have in there shows, you know, a, a very clear line yeah, of, it's staggering you know actually. in January the 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 Hong Kong visitation by mainland Chinese and how high it was and it's considered you know it's gone down 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 to July and then the ones for Singapore the arrow goes straight up yeah uh, in July
0: so it's um, a huge spike isn't it from July June yeah. July onwards I mean it's a staggering spike towards yep. Singapore
1: so Hong Kong saw a 5.5 percent drop in year-on-year tourists in July it fell another 42 percent we we know that those numbers have been down and Singapore has been has been gaining because of it. Um, now that's just one s- sort of snapshot. So the so Singapore has marked a seven point eight percent Um, year-on-year jump in the number of mainland Chinese visitors, right? So that's, you know, and it's going to get bigger, right? Mm. Um, So, you know, we've seen another 100,000 Chinese travellers coming to Singapore since these latest protests.
0: Yeah, and and it'll only increase further. And obviously, we don't want to be smug about it because, uh, you know, Hong Kong has got very serious issues going on. But it does reinforce what we keep saying, which it feels like we're at this, this tipping point situation. The more it hits the pocket of retailers, uh, tourism industries in Hong Kong, the more they're going to demand action as they are from the government. However, the flip side to that, the more seemingly draconian these enforcement measures are perceived to be, again, the more Mm. people are going to get angry. So I don't see... And remember, this started... One of the reasons it started was because... Hong Kongers are struggling. They're struggling financially. Land is at an all-time high in terms of prices. The the younger generation, the the students, university, junior college level, simply cannot afford property at all. Mm. Hong Kong doesn't have the outstanding public housing model that Singapore has. So you have literally removed the, the, the very essence of what it is to be a citizen in a society, a home. And when Hong Kongers can't afford a home, and they can't, young Hong Kongers, it's only going to add to the tensions that already exist. And as you say, the more this hits the bottom line for average Hong Kong families, the more this thing escalates. I don't see an
1: end goal here, do you? I don't see an end in sight. I have to say a week ago when we were talking about this, I felt hopeful that there yeah. would be some, you know, we didn't, we didn't know what the way forward would be. But I felt hopeful that, oh, you know what, maybe they're going to figure it out and find a way. And I have to say, I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, but you know, after being there this week and seeing that, and now this, this face mask law, another sort of link in the armor uh, going up yesterday and today, um, I, I am less and less hopeful about any kind of a peaceful resolution anytime soon?
0: Well, your observation is key for me, and that is it it fills me with both hope and despair, Mm. literally in equal measure, which is when you said you saw all generations of families on the streets together, it gave me hope, Mm. but it also gave me despair because it means it's not ending anytime soon. These are not just a minority of yobs or or rabble rousers. These are entrenched communities, generations of families who want change up against a government that doesn't really seem willing to give
1: them the changes that they want. Right. We're at a deadlock here, aren't we? a stalemate for sure and look you know it's a saturday morning we want to of course we want to ease into let's we want to focus on the hope part of it for sure uh, but there is the reality of what's going on on the ground and and it impacts everybody it impacts us here in singapore as well And um, and even as the government has said recently you know singapore wants to have stability in the region singapore wants a hong kong that is vibrant uh, because we, you know, play off each other in terms of business and things. And so while we may see momentary spikes in business and, and tourism and things like that, which, of course, is good for Singapore, um, you know, long term, it, it is not in our interest to have Hong Kong not. in turmoil.
0: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.